Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. The Terry and Jesse Show, TJ, could stand for truth and justice. It could stand for totally Jesus. Or it stands for the Terry and Jesse Show. This is High Energy Blue Collar Catholic Radio. We invite you to this holy hour of power. I promise you this hour is not low energy. My name is not Jeb Bush. Nope. <clears throat> um, I'm reporting for duty. This program is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong. And this is where Catholicism and the culture intersect. Hey, the month of September is dedicated to the seven sorrows of Mary. Devotion to the sorrows of the Virgin Mary dates from the 12th century when it made its appearance in monastic circles under the influence of St. Anselm and St. Bernard, the Cistercians, that religious order of priests, and then the Servites, they undertook to propagate this devotion. It became widespread in the 14th and especially the 15th centuries where confraternities of the sorrowful mother sprang up. There's a new confraternity of the sorrowful mother. It's called the Deloran Fathers, the Delorans, <clears throat> as founded by Father Chad Ripperger, who left the FSSP and started the Delorans, which is a, uh, a priestly ministry, a priestly order of full-time exorcist. According to the church's tradition, because Our Lady went through different sorrows at the foot of the cross in John chapter 19, she merited different things. One of the things that she merited while standing beneath the cross was the ability to reveal hidden things and she knows them more than anybody else in heaven except for God because of her closeness to him. Let me give you a rundown of today. Rundown. We're going to have Jason Craig. He wrote a book for Tan. It's called The Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men. So it's a book for men, The Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas. This is the area where men get attacked. It's in the area of virtue. And the devil tries to promote vice. And so I'll be very interested to see what Jason Craig has to share with the, with the male audience, most especially. He's, and then also, we're going to, at the very end, uh, on the rundown, we're going to have the best of Bishop Strickland. He's got a very powerful message that we're going to share in the fourth segment, the America's Bishop. And so you definitely want to, you want to tune in to hear the best of America's Bishop, Joseph Strickland. Okay. <clears throat> Couple of other items in the news. Here is uh here's one. Polls are telling us that the Democrats, they're not keen on free speech. No, no, no. In fact, a new Real Clear Opinion research poll found stark differences between Republicans and Democrats when it comes to censorship and free speech. 47% of Democrats say free speech should be legal. Only under certain circumstances. Hmm. 34% of Democrats say Americans have, get this, too much freedom. While 75% of Democrats say the government has a responsibility to censor hateful social media posts. 
No, thank you. I like limited government. The less government, the better. Also, Gavin Newsom seems to be in a panic. He said recently, I'm really worried about these micro cults. What is Governor Gavin Newsom from California? What's he talking about? Well, Gavin Newsom is in a full panic because his son listens to Joe Rogan and Dr. Jordan Peterson and probably some other conservatives. So his father, Gavin Newsom, is worried about him. <laughs> He's worried that he, his son listens to conservatives, podcasters. Hmm. Good for his son. Seems like if his son has more sense than the father. Also, this is, this is on the good news side. The British police drop the investigation into women praying outside an abortion clinic. <laughs> Thanks be to God. So yeah, the British police, they're dropping charges. So no worries, no worries. Praying outside abortion clinics in, in the UK, it looks like it's permissible. But what's crazy is here praying outside abortion clinics in the U.S. is also punishable by prison sentences. We have three 70-year-old pro-life women that are being prosecuted for praying in front of abortion clinics here in the U.S. But in the U.K., they just dropped charges from a woman or against a woman who was praying outside an abortion clinic in the U.K., to me, it's crazy. The entire West has gone fascist. Now, I can only imagine if uh, those, if these three American grandmothers here in the U.S. that have been arrested in front of abortion for praying in front of an abortion clinic, I bet if these three American women, if they were not white, if they had a rug on the floor and a hijab on their head, and if they were praying Allah Ahu Akbar. I'm sure the police wouldn't have bothered them. I'm sure they would never be prosecuted. Hmm, what do you think? And the last thing I want to report on the news is uh, what I would call big city blues. Hundreds of small businesses in Oakland, California, plan to strike Tuesday to protest what they claim is the city's inadequate response to rampant crime in the Bay Area. At least 200 restaurants, stores, and offices will close between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m., and some businesses plan to remain shuttered until Wednesday. Participants in the strike hope to raise awareness about the crime wave that has threatened the lives and safety of businesses and patrons across Oakland California. Wow. All right. Let's go on to some soul food. Every single day we try to share with you the saint of the day and also the gospel of the day and try to give you some uh, some inspiration. So today, Wednesday, September 27th, is the feast day of St. Vincent de Paul. He was born of a humble peasant family. Vincent founded his calling, found his calling in the ministry to the poor 
first among the country estates of the Gandhi family and later in Paris, France. He founded the Lake Confraternity of Charity, the Daughters of Charity, and the Congregation of the Mission. And through his many efforts, St. Vincent de Paul ministered to the whole spectrum of human need, the sick, prisoners, foundlings, prostitutes, slaves, beggars, and outcasts. He instructed his followers, quote, if a needy person requires medicine or other help during prayer time, do whatever has to be done with peace of mind. Offer the deed to God as your prayer, close quote. St. Vincent died in 1660. He's a universal patron of all works of charity. St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us. Today's gospel, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. Jesus summoned the twelve and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So something interesting is every single bishop who's a successor of the apostles, they also have the full power and authority over demons in their diocese. Today's gospel said, Jesus said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither walking stick, nor sack, nor food, nor money, and let no one take a second tunic. Notice what our Lord is asking. He's, that, he's preparing the, the apostles for heaven. He's preparing the apostles for what we would call a life of self-detachment. And that's what we're doing here on planet Earth. We are practicing to enter into a life of self-detachment. Remember, life is like spring training and heaven is the endless summer vacation. So the gospel says, our Lord says, whatever house you enter, stay there and, and, and stay there and leave from there. And as for those who do not welcome you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet and testimony against them. In other words, our Lord is saying evangelize everybody, but if somebody does not accept the message, just shake the dust from your feet and testimony against them and walk away. In other words, don't tug on green fruit. Then the Bible says, then they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news, that means gospel, and curing diseases everywhere, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. They went healing people everywhere. That's exactly what happens is going to happen in heaven. Everybody will be healed. Uh, this whole take nothing with you. In other words, the apostles are called to trust in God. They must rely on local hospitality for necessities during their evangelization missions. And this prepares them for, for leadership in the church where they will preach the gospel through a life of spiritual poverty. Uh, our Lord gave them a power. Jesus equips the apostles with his own spiritual authority to expel demons, cure the sick, and proclaim God's kingdom. All right. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Remember, life is spring training and heaven is an endless summer. We'll be right back. We've got an interview with Jason Craig. St. Thomas for Men. We'll be right back. We're back to Terry and Jesse show. Well, 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 we've got uh, a guest, a tan author. Uh, been uh, looking forward to this because I'm just interested in the topic. Obviously, male spirituality really interests me. 
we got Jason Craig. Welcome, Jason, to the Terry and Jesse show, my friend. Hey there, Jesse. Sorry for moving my camera around there on you. No, don't worry about it. Uh, well, let me tell, to give you a little bio on Jason. Uh, Jason writes from a small dairy farm in Western North Carolina. He's the founder, the co-founder, excuse me, of, of Faternus, founding editor of Sword and Spade magazine. I like that name. And he's the author of Leaving Boyhood Behind. He holds a master's degree from the St. Augustine Institute and is known to claim his family invented bourbon. Very interesting. Jason, you're all, you're all the way across the country. I'm over here in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, formerly in Los Angeles, California, and now by way of Phoenix eight years ago. I, I, I left uh, tyranny and moved over here to a semblance of freedom. Hey, but let's take about your book, Jason, The Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men. Uh, what a timely book, because I'll tell you, there's an attack against patriarchy in the United States from the Marxist left, from the woke left, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter even had that in their in their website for a while until they scrubbed it. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's an, a wholesale attack against spiritual patriarchy, Catholic priests, uh, physical patriarchy or domestic patriarchy, uh, fathers of the, of the household, uh, civil patriarchy, our government. Patriarchy is under attack. So uh, th- this is going to be a good a, a good uh, red meat conversation where we can learn something. So. Tell us a little bit about the book, The Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men. Give us kind of an overview, and why did you write it? Sure, yeah. Uh, to be honest, it's a little bit nerve-wracking to propose to write a book about the, the the man who's written more about virtue than any theologian, mm. or perhaps he's best well-known than anyone else writing on this. Right. Uh, it seems to me, I'll just be honest, that it seems presumptuous that anyone would write another book on virtue and Aquinas. However, uh, in this one, what I did was, and just in my experience uh, in an apostolate called Fraternus, which you mentioned, studying the virtues with men and young men, that there is actually a ton of wisdom in the Summa that's very applicable to the, to the situation which you just described, which is, all right, in a, in a confused world, what, what do I need to understand about these virtues? So that I can actually practice them so that I can be good, not just feel good or act good, but be good. And ultimately so that I can reach God, because, right, even the secular world kind of likes the word virtue. But, uh, you know, as, a, as the, the the good guy in uh, the Princess Bride says, you keep using that word. I don't think you know what it means. It means <laughs> to the Christian, not just being good is some sort of self-help thing or being a better leader or being more successful. It means getting closer to God. Virtue for us is not an end. It's a means. All right, we we want to be closer to God. But in the Summa, there's an amazing uh, array of advice. It's very particular to fathers and sons. It's very particular to men. It's very particular to local communities even uh, and how they live and interact with one another. Uh, I mean, everything from when it's okay to make fun of somebody and when it's not okay to make fun of somebody, why you really need shame you really need to feel shame, but how you can only feel shame locally. And that we mean that in, in the good sense of the word, that to feel sorrow over my sin when I have to face someone else who knows that sin. Uh, there's really great advice uh, on fraternal correction in the Summa, when you should do it, which is usually, according to Aquinas, rarely, uh, and why it's often not your place to need to correct anybody just because you prayed about it doesn't mean you have to say something. Um, anyway, there's just there's a ton of advice that I wanted to bring out, particularly for for men to study together. Hey, Jason, uh, 
I like your background there. I could tell you're a blue collar type guy, so <laughs> you fit right in with the audience. Blue collar Catholic. A long time to uh, <laughs> to construct this set. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so let me ask you: Why is it so necessary for fathers to explicitly teach about virtue? Right. That's another reason I wanted to write this book. Is that you know a lot of us were trying to recover um, a, a healthy, as you, the word you were describing, patriarchy, which is a help a healthy fatherhood. And people say, oh, "All right, be a good dad." Right. Well, what do you want me to do? Well, one of the things you have to do is to teach your sons about virtue, meaning explicit instruction. So when, and this this is my other book, Leaving Boyhood Behind, is about the the crisis of maturity. We're leave, we're leave, you know, the, the lack of rites of passage right now. That we, mm. because of that, because fathers are not initiating their sons into maturity, we've got a bunch of man children or kidults or whatever you want to call it, and that includes in the faith, kid Catholics, and. To explicitly instruct them is necessary because when you're growing out of childhood, you're not, you know, the word child is androgynous, could be girl or boy. And to grow up is actually not just to become an adult. It's it's really to distinguish men and women. As you grow up, the the very fundament the fundamental thing that's happening is you're leaving this androgynous kind of grouped up world of children, boys and girls, and being distinguished as in, in maturity, which is to be distinguished as a man, which means you need to be instructed as a man. Too much of our formation and our efforts towards young people sort of group them in these co-ed environments, pass on information to them that we hope with great enthusiasm that they'll pick up, which is great. But that's sort of like you get exhausted trying to convince young people in a co-ed setting that they should love Jesus. It's much better as a from, from a father to say, no, you are a son of God. This is your identity. And here's your duties. It's called virtues, and that instruction belongs to the Father by vocation. You know, Jason, <clears throat> this is so timely because I'll tell you, we have the woke left, the, the, the diabolical left. They're trying to confuse young people, children, that they can be whatever they want. They can be a boy today and a girl tomorrow and, and vice versa. you got transgender bathrooms all across the country. you got... Uh, <clears throat> you have uh, boys playing in female sports and because again, I think men haven't passed down to their boys what it means to be a man. They haven't, they haven't communicated what it means to embrace a, a life of virtue, a, a life of holy habits, of moral excellence, of, of, uh, of, of, of male masculinity. And uh, there's, uh, I mean, we have, our, our society right now is diabolically disoriented when it comes to the topic of virtue, what what's what's good, what was good yesterday is bad today, and what was uh, bad yesterday is good today. There's an inversion of reality right now, and I think that this book of yours is is going to uh, is providing that moral clarity that we need, especially for men. Uh, give me the give us the name of the book again, and how can people uh, purchase the book? Where can they go and get it? It's called The uh, Traditional Virtues According to St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men. Long title, trying to make sure we, you know what you're getting. Uh, it's published by TAN, and it's available at TAN's website and also, of course, at uh, uh, some other giant book-selling websites, um, which we don't have to mention. But you can get them there, right. too. Very convenient. Yeah. Um, and I would I, yeah. Well, I, I would agree with everything you just said. The, 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 very, the fundamental difference between teaching our sons virtue and everything you just described in, in the woke left and the various ideologies, 
their essential good, the way life is good, is that you can choose it freely. It's the individual choice of the person. Now, we know that individual choice is ne- that's what separates us from the beast, that we have free will. Mm-hmm. However, we fundamentally need to hear from authoritative voices who we are. It actually doesn't belong to us hmm. to drum up our own existence, identity. That's actually something bestowed. Even our Lord hears publicly on earth, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. Not that he didn't know who he was, but there is something necessary in that. The difference of virtue, the difference of, of you know, this personal choice and the obsession with the freedom of the individual to choose whatever they want, that being the defining characteristic of happiness, is that virtue defines happiness as reaching goodness and the ultimate goodness, which is God, which is why they really can't use the word virtue, at least correctly, because it requires that we actually did not create our nature. We did not create our identity and we didn't even create our destiny, which is heaven. These are all gifts we've received as sons. Jason, this is an important question that people have. What's the difference between Christian virtue and secular self-help? Right. Uh, yeah, saying that at the beginning, you know, there, if you look at uh, it's it's pretty irritating uh, in some local stores, they'll have religious books uh, next to what they call inspirational or self-help books. Hmm. The, the end of self-help books might be somewhat decent, but ultimately it's kind of pagan. Uh, And, you know, the early church actually was unsure if we could, as Christians, could really use the word virtue. Although, because it was coming up against the Greco-Roman world, the question was, well, we have Christ, right? We have Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. We don't even need to talk about prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. We have a whole new paradigm. Uh, But, you know, many of the church fathers like St. Augustine provided the path, which we're still following, which is, these virtues are actually beautiful articulations, which do happen in sacred scripture, um, of what reaching towards the way the truth in life looks like. This is this is how they live. And they've been so uh, run through the ringer of theological precision and of the gritty experience of real men that we know these things uh, to be true. This is the good life is the virtuous life. And the reason it's good is not because it helped you reach self-fulfillment or it made life more pleasant, or it made you more trim and fit, or it made you a better leader, or it made you more money, but because it brought you to God. Any understanding of virtue that is that stops short, and meaning it stops in some sort of worldly good, even if it's good, if it's not related to God, it's not a true good. At least it's stunted. It's been retarded in some way. We're talking to Jason Craig, his new book, The Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas, a study for men by 10 books. Pick up a copy, 10books.com, 10books.com. What tips do you have for fathers who want to get more serious about forming their children in the virtues? Right. I think um, one is to start to do it. We have, with terrible results, offloaded the duty of teaching and instructing our own children, even though this is explicit in Scripture in our tradition, and even in canon law. I mean, did you know in canon law, when it talks about who gets to decide if a child is ready for something like confirmation, it belongs to the parents and the pastor. There's not even this whole, you know, catechetical industrial complex in the middle. It's really, it belongs to them. Hmm. And, but we don't do it. So my recommendation would be, first of all, do it. And to do that, it's like most men know If it doesn't get measured, it doesn't get done. Meaning, when are you going to do it? When is it on the calendar? 
Pick a time and a place. Do not wait for spontaneous urges that you might chalk up to being the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is really trying to urge you to be disciplined and ordered in your study and in your teaching with your children. Pick a time. The reason you get to mass on time on Sunday is because there's an unavoidable time you have to be there. So find that unavoidable time with your children. And they do not believe the lies that they don't want to hear from you. They're, they're dying to hear from you. And I've actually designed this book so that you're not just going to study the content. I, you could have done that somewhere else. There, there's not a book. I didn't need to write a book for that. Um, what this hold book thought, does Jason, help you set hold up. Hold that thought, my friend. We're going to hard sure. break. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. We got Jason Craig, author of a book, The Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas. We'll pick this conversation up on the next segment. Uh, this is a book that's timely. Uh, this is exactly what America needs right now. The traditional virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas. We'll be right back. Stick around. We're back to Terry and Jesse show, Blue Collar Catholic Radio. We've got Jason Craig. He's on with us, author of a new book called The Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men. And uh, right, you can pick up the book at 10books.com, 10books.com. Right now, uh, I, I would have to say that uh, the patriarchy is under attack physically and spiritually. So this is a very timely book for Catholic men that are wondering what do I pass or how do I pass on the, the faith, the, my, my, the, my, mora- my Christian morality onto my children, especially my boys? Well, this is a book that tells us how to do that. Jason, I was asking you a question that I interrupted you. Well, no, I, I didn't. Well, we, we went to a hard break. So let me ask you again. So the, this, this book is meant to be read by 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 a father and a son i mean by by men together with their sons or or both why is that exactly right well i i set the book up um as i was telling you before the break for the the study of the virtues which you could have gotten anywhere however the the book is set up so that the 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 content is important but the context is critical meaning a father sharing uh or or catechizing, teaching, instructing, initiating his sons is going to require learning the virtues, at least if we want to use our inherited language of virtue. I mean, that's what that's how we describe what am I supposed to do? Act justly, right? Have fortitude, be temperate. This is our language. However, in the book, it's not just the content, which is catered to men, catered to to boys, young men, particularly not younger boys, but definitely young men. Um, It's also sets you up to provide opportunities for you to share yourself, right? St. Paul, when he writes, you know, to, to many, many of his letters, he says, you know, I'm desirous to be with you, to give my very self to you. Well, for fathers, what that primarily means is that you're present with your children. Of course, you're giving them good things, but also they need to know your story. You need to tell them about a time with your reading about justice where, uh, you, where you cheated or lied and the consequences and the, the gnawing at your soul, or when somebody did that to you, uh, you need to talk about times where your grandfather's grit got the family through a hard time, that he had fortitude, right? You need to tell those stories. So the book prompts you to not just read the content, but to make sure you set up the context that these, our sons are not existing in some 
you know, vacuum of like, oh, they just happen to exist. They were they were willed by God and they're willed in the story that you're a part of. And you are the one to instruct them in that story. Don't leave them out to the world to fill in the gaps of their story, which would be your father was repressive. Uh, the family is unnecessary as a construct of Judeo-Christian worldview that was imposed on a soon-to-be-freed and liberated humanity. No, they are a part of a long history stretching back to Adam through Christ, through the church and the saints, into your life. And that actually matters. Your history, your experience matters. So I, I do want the context of, of a man's life to be shared through this study and along this study so that, hey, I... You know, you can pay someone else to regurgitate the the great content of St. Thomas Aquinas to you. That's not that's not my goal. My goal is to set you up so that as you study this, you're sharing what it means to be a man from your real life experience, which do not discount it. You know, this comes from this was published in Tan with Tan in, in conjunction with the magazine Sword and Spade. And that that magazine takes as its motto, you know, something Peter Marin said, which every scholar, a working man, every working man, a scholar. There are things that we can only know by the intellectual tradition of the church. And there are things that we can only know by the nitty gritty experience of, of living the life of a man, which is not the life of choice and self-fulfillment, but, but very often duty and love, right? Choosing, if you're choosing anything, you're choosing to love. So it's, it's in that context, that sword in the spade of yes, defend, but also cultivate your life. Tell us a little bit about the magazine sword and spade and how can people uh, get a hold of that magazine? Yeah, go to the swordandspade.com. It's written primarily by men of fraternus, along with some trusted intellectuals and leaders in the church, and it's trying to do just that. Uh, people ask what ask me what the magic sauce of it is, and it's well, it's because my co-editor is a mechanic. We have <laughs> men that are in the trenches that are really struggling and dealing with actually applying these truths. The content's wonderful, but if the rubber hits the road, for example, we have articles on so how small business, how small businesses absolutely should shut down for Catholic solemnities, how they should plan for that and, their, and budget for it. You know, the, the mechanic shop of my co-editor, they close down on Marian solemnities in a Protestant town. Wow. And they give their Protestant, you know, their Protestant employees the paid day off because that's how serious they take Our Lady. Right. We talk about what does it mean? What kind of weddings can I go to? And I get all these invites from all these different, you know, invented genders. Um what does it mean to lead a family in prayer? Why, why can't I just watch TV and veg out at night? All these, the, and, but also the intellectual tradition of the church, which is, what do these things mean? What is the truth? I need to wrestle with these things. So Sword and Spade was uh, born from a community of friends of men trying desperately to really unite these two worlds, the worlds of sort of the working man, but also the rich intellectual tradition of the church. Because we don't want to have some anti-intellectualism that's like, well, you know, that it's, I'm I'm in the real world. I don't need all that fluffy articulation of the truth. It's like, yeah, no, no, that's not true either. At the same time, we cannot have truth abstracted from everyday experience. It just becomes unhelpful and, you know, something to be branded and sold over and over and over, not really actually helping people digest what it looks like in their in their life, meaning their shared way of life, their local culture. Let me uh <clears throat> so I hear that this book was born out of the apostolate fraternus. What is that exactly? Talk, talk to us a little bit about fraternus. Sure. It's uh, one way to think about it. It's definitely for young men and fathers. It started as something that was born like, hey, we're, we're the church is hemorrhaging boys. Like we are losing boys and young men faster than any demographic in the church. We need to do something about it. 
So it was sort of styled almost like a typical, like a, like a youth group or youth ministry, but except for boys. But we found that that was a disastrous strategy, not disastrous, but it was an inadequate strategy. The yeah. problem with young people today is not that we can't reach them, right? We know where they live. We buy their stuff. They eat in our homes. Like we know where they are. The problem is they're not reaching us. So what fraternity, meaning as, as adults, as mature men, so what Fraternus does is instead of providing just another way to do stuff for boys and hope they turn out well, it's actually a way for men to become brothers. And then it provides the framework to bring their sons into their brotherhood. That's how maturity happens. When men have their own friendship and they say, hey, they, they come into the room and their son's in there with, with the women and the children and they're all doing the thing. And they say, hey, come with the men. That's when you become a man. Right. I mean, that even explicit in, uh, you know, when Jesus is lost in the temple. What was he doing there in the temple with the men? Well, there was places in the temple where women and children would not have been allowed. Right. So when he was there on pilgrimage with St. Joseph, you know, there's times during the worship during that pilgrimage when Joseph would have turned to Jesus, and say, come with me, come with the men. Right. Which would have happened around age 13, according to the law, according to the law of Moses. That's what. So cultures throughout time have always had ways for their sons to be initiated, to join the men. And we just don't have those ways now. We just we just send our boys off and they're and they're kind of in this nebulous androgynous culture of you know fill in the blank yeah when they need to join the men they need to join the men and that doesn't mean just come and be gritty and beat your chest there's times for that but it means you're my beloved son and who I'm well please come sit with me be with me be with my friends be, learn our ways be one of us that's what so fraternity that's a lot of words to just say that's what we're trying to do is help boys reach manhood by reaching the brotherhood of the adult men in their community. You guys got a website, Jason? I hope so. Fraternus.net. I think okay. we have fraternus.com, fraternus.org. Okay. And you can go to, you know, Sword and Spade is, will be on there too, but it's the swordandspade.com is our magazine. Fraternus takes a big commitment. Uh, subscribing to a magazine is a good place for many people to start. I'm talking to Jason Craig, uh, he wrote a book. It's a 10 book, very trusted uh a trusted publishing company is called the traditional virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas, a study for men. I was asking you another question on the last segment and, and I want, uh, and we got cut off by the break. So what tips do you have for fathers who want to get more serious about forming their children in the virtues? Sure. I think, I think we start on that. Well, one, do it, set your time. You're going to do it. Find some good things to study. Scriptures, catechisms, great place to start. Uh, if if my book can be of service, I'm happy about that. That's just a rearticulation of of Aquinas applied to men. But pick the time you're going to do it, and consider inviting your your buddies in. If you've got a guy friend, he's a close friend of your, you trust him. You guys know how to have a substantial conversation. You're not shallow. You can move beyond what you're going to buy next, right, or what you're going to watch next, and you're actually talking about the substance of your of, of truth, invite him. If he's got a son that's 14 and 15, get in the same room, talk about these things, argue these things, tell stories. The book is meant to be a catalyst for that. But my tip would be definitely fathers just have to start doing it, being explicit and intentional. Cause look, it's not going to happen by accident. Yes. Your example is important. It's silent. It's the silent witness. Uh, but it belongs explicitly to fathers to instruct and teach. Just look at the entire book of Proverbs, which is styled as just that. Hmm. Yeah, it also reminds me of uh, David's last words to, uh, to his son Solomon. 
uh, he, he looks at him right before he dies. And he, I think he says, Solomon, be the man. Yes. Last words, parting words, Solomon, be the man. Can you imagine yep. that? how that ver- reverberated in his soul for the rest of his life that he saw his dad pass away and his dad told him, be the man. Talk about empowering words. Uh, hey, so uh, the book, you can pick it up from 10books.com. It's called The Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men. 10books.com, 10books.com. Jason Aquinas wrote a qu- a quite a bit about virtue in the Summa. How did you decide what parts to put in there? You got it one minute. Uh Sure. It was a meticulous reading with a pencil in my hand of thousands of pages Mm. and uh, coming from a blue collar background, working in an apostolate that's predominantly blue collar guys, small business owners, knowing what we are going through, what they are going through as fathers uh, and with a pen thinking that's the most helpful thing. I cannot believe that I never read that in the Summa. Uh, everything from telling sons why they kind of belong to their father and they owe him some work around the house uh, to, like I said earlier, when it's okay to make fun of somebody, all all these, and when it's not, uh, why brotherhood is so central to the faith, why friendship is how we understand, all these, it was just going through and say, this is something is sort of buried away, not out there in popular, you know, sort of popular consumption that we really need to read. Not because it's titillating or true, but because this is it. I'm titillatingly uh, uh, amusing, but because it's true. Jason, thank you very much, brother. God bless you. Get the book. Ten books. Traditional Virtues of St. Thomas Aquinas. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. I want you to hear uh, an inspirational clip. Uh, it's, it's, it's a couple of minutes long from the most inspirational bishop in the United States of America. I call him America's bishop. In fact, I'm the one that gave him the name over at the Dodger at the Dodger rally. When I introduced him on stage, I said, and I'd like to introduce you to America's bishop. Now, what's funny is the name stuck. Everybody that introduces Bishop Joseph Strickland is using that name. And I think it fits him well. I want you to listen to the inspirational words of one of the most inspirational bishops of our lifetime in this country. And then I'll have a few passing uh, comments to make at the end. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? There's a tweet that you're supporting a another bishop, Bishop uh, Paraki, accused Cardinal McElroy of heresy saying he may have excommunicated himself and it's not only this bishop uh, Archbishop Samuel Aquila has criticized the Cardinal Archbishop uh, Newman of Kansas City yourself Bishop James Conley of Lincoln Nebraska it seems that more bishops are coming out and saying wait a minute we can't allow false teaching to be taught without criticizing it because you know I I have a conscience I, I need to speak the truth in love and charity. So, I mean, the bishop has quoted canon law, canon 751 and 750. He seems like he's dotted all of his I's, crossed his T. But my, my question is, is canon law being implemented today? And I would say no, but I want to, I know you, you agree with this bishop on his comments, but um, what, you have any further thoughts on that? Well, um, 
I'm hearing everything you. you've said, Terry. We and I'm glad more bishops are speaking yeah. and doing our job. We all promised. Every single bishop made the same promises to guard the deposit of faith. And when anyone speaks in a way that isn't the deposit of faith, we need to call them on it. And if you know the the whole question about excommunication and all that, yeah. uh, that comes down to you know obstinate staying with this. So, I mean, certainly the Lord is merciful. The church is merciful. I read an article just recently, mercy and justice are always in an interplay with each other, not total mercy, not total justice. And, and only God has the perfect balance, Mm. but we are challenged as those beings made in the image and likeness of God. That's a lot of what being in the image and likeness of God is about that. We make judgments between what's merciful and what's just. And the injustice is ultimately perfect mercy. Perfect mercy is ultimately justice. They work together. And a a term that we were talking about that we need to be very clear about, orthodox teaching is what the deposit of faith is. Yes. You could, by definition, what is the deposit of faith? It's everything that is orthodox to the Catholic faith, which means true to the yeah. Catholic faith. Heterodox, and you read that word in that article, these these are heterodox teachings. It means they're departing from the orthodox. They're not, they're the opposite of orthodox. They're not in uh, concert with what the church teaches. And heterodox teaching, that it's connected to the word heresy. Yeah. It, it's contrary to the truth. And there's too much of it out there. Cardinals, bishops, and I'm glad more bishops are speaking up and some of the cardinals are speaking up. But we owe it to ourselves, like you said. We're all just ultimately, when we're, I mean, we've talked about before, yeah. when you and I are judged, it's not going to be Terry, the, <laughs> the great radio <laughs> man. It's not going to be Joe the bishop. It's exactly. going to just be sons of God, Terry and Joe. Hey, man. And that's how we have to live our lives. Right. So we, I'm glad people are speaking up. The people of God need to hear their shepherd saying, no, this is not the truth. Because certainly, I mean, we know they're politicians and they're business people and they're crazy world dominating people that are saying all kinds of crazy things. Yeah. But for the bishops to say things that aren't true, that's devastating because where do the sheep go if the shepherds are not orthodox? Well said. And I think Our Lady of Akita back in 73, if you can look it up, folks, Our Lady appeared to a nun in in, uh, Japan. And it was foretold that this was going to happen, that, you know, bishops would be criticizing each cardinals would have arguments about the teachings of the church. And I, I think this, that charity... Uh, it's actually it's actually charitable to correct a brother in Christ. Making Satan tremble is That's, is what we need to do. We yeah. need to just be so steeped in the truth that he can't touch us. And it, and Jesus Christ is truth incarnate. We Amen. know that. Amen. So um, and what Cardinal Sarah says all the time is is strong and clear, and he speaks up on a lot of things, and I'm glad he does. What I was thinking, you know, this today, Tell me. we need to realize mm-hmm. that by definition, cardinals, bishops, 
popes, anyone in the hierarchy of the church, right. any ordained priest or yeah. deacon, yeah. by definition, should be able to trust that they are teaching the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because their ordination is meaningless if they're not teaching the truth of Jesus Christ. From the Pope to the most recently ordained deacon. I mean, holy orders is bishop, priest, and deacon. That's right. All in holy orders have been ordained in two sacraments in, or two levels of holy orders. Bishops and priests are anointed in the Holy Spirit. Deacons aren't anointed, but they are ordained to minister the truth of Christ. So we should, by definition, and it's like you said, Cardinal Sarah could be canonized. Yeah. We should, we need to pray for a church where people say that about every cardinal and every yeah. bishop, that that man is so faithful to Christ, because what's canonization mean? It's just a certification that they've done what we're called to do. They've become saints. We're all called to be saints. The universal call to holiness is for every human being to be baptized and to become a saint. And that's so it should be by definition. Yeah. A cardinal is a man always teaching Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so devastating when cardinals veer off into worldly thoughts that are contrary to Christ. Yeah. And when that happens, the church is harmed. The church will recover from this. But not every individual will, and we need to pray for everyone, leaders of all kinds, oh. to return to the truth. I mean, we've got a president who's just off the rails as far as Catholicism. Amen. I read, you know, we talk about it all the time, but we need to talk about it because there's nothing being done about it by the bishops or by anyone who stands for the Orthodox Catholic faith. We need to, for the man's own sake, like we've said before, but just recently he said, if, if Congress were to enact a law or propose a law that banned abortion period, he said, oh, I'll veto that. He's not being Catholic. He's not being human. And we need to call him back to the truth for his own sake. And certainly for the sake of the nation, because I'm sure we both read more and more the, the corruption that is in business, that is in education, that is in the government, and sadly, even in the churches. Not just the Catholic Church, but many of the churches are wavering on the truth that they once taught. And they don't have the fullness of truth as the Catholic Church does, but a lot of churches have enough truth that they can really guide people. And there are wonderful people in the various churches that are as dedicated to Christ as they can be and living as fully as they can with what they have. They need to be commended. But we who have the fullness of truth in the Catholic Church, the church that Jesus Christ established, as we've talked about before, for those who have much, more is expected. That's where we are. That's where we're both doing this, Amen. Terry. I know that. Oh, yeah. Both of us could do other things with another hour in our day. Oh, yeah. But we're here because we know it's our obligation. And it's a joy Amen. to teach the truth of Jesus Christ. Wow. America's Bishop Joseph Strickland giving us uh, words of inspiration. 
you know, um, when I hear Bishop Strickland speak to me, he's like he's like a man who's who's uh, working inside of a lighthouse amidst the gathering storm. He's he's warning us, you know, uh, about the storm that's approaching. And remember, the goal for Catholics is we're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. We're called to set ourselves apart from this corrupt generation. We're called to be saints. You're ma- you were not made to fit in. You were born to stand out. We were not made for mediocrity. We were made for greatness. Acts chapter 2 verse 40. St. Peter the first pope said, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. We as, uh, as Catholic Christians, we fight for altar and throne to one day be inseparably united under Christ the King forever. Remember, faith is what gets you started. Hope is what keeps you going. Love is what brings you to the end. Faith, hope, and love. Mother Angelica once said, rest in peace, she said, those who tell you the truth love you. Those who tell you what you want to hear love themselves. You know, for us as Catholics, I know there's a lot of people that are impressed with their many college degrees. And many men and women work for degrees after their names. Well, guess what? We're working for the degree before our names. Forget about the BA, the BS, the MA, the MS, the PhD. The degree that we want to get is called the ST. Get that degree before your name. It's a much more difficult degree to attain. It takes a lifetime. And you don't get a diploma until you're dead. I don't care if you're 5 or 105. God from all eternity chose you to be where you're at this time in history to change the world. We're called the holiness according to our state in life. That's a wrap. Terry and Jesse show. We'll see you tomorrow. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. Remember, pray your rosary every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Read your Bible every day, the daily Mass readings. Add fasting and penance to your prayer life. And also, live in a state of grace. Go to confession at least once a month. See you next time. God bless you. Keep the faith.